We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. True faith, Newcastle United podcast, Newcastle United nil, Liverpool nil in an unexpected point for Steve Bruce's mags, under pressure mags, and uh, an unexpected improvement, I think it's fair to say, in a performance. And you've got Alex Hurst, Michael Connor, Simon Campbell, and Chris Shipman to talk through what went right, why it went right, and what it tells us about the future of this team and this manager in particular. Uh, in what is, um, you know, the festive period. We have another big game coming up on Sunday and an FA Cup game after that. So the game's come thick and fast, but it, it does deserve a little bit of analysis, I feel, so we've recorded this podcast for you. Mickey, you were pleased with Newcastle United last night. I was, yeah. I thought it was, um, you know, I was extremely critical on our on our preview show during the week about the talk of improvement and, and, and how you translate a, a 2-0 defeat where you have one shot and no chance on target. <clears throat> um, against Man City as an, an improvement to anything. Um, and we kind of looked at the definition of the word improvement. And when you go from minus 10 to minus five, you, you know, you're still terrible at football and it doesn't really matter. Last night wasn't that. And it was, it was, it was not what I expected from, from Bruce and his, his side at all. Um, it was, it was better in almost every possible way. I thought we were, we were more organized. There was, a, there was a definitive plan. Um, there was there was defensive football, but with a with a mindset to to utilize that defensive structure and and stability to to build on and and, and try and progress up the pitch at times in a, in a in a kind of regulated way, so to speak. Individually, I thought we were much better across the park. I thought there was some excellent individual performances. Obviously, we'll come on to those a bit later on. Clearly, the main one is Darlow, but there's there's many more individuals that you can pick out from that performance yesterday that were were exceptional. And and I actually thought. It pains me to do this after how shocking it's been for so long, but I actually thought Bruce got a lot right yesterday. I thought he picked the team well. I didn't agree with it at the start. I, I thought Joe Linton playing on the left was a joke, um, but actually he, ha- he had a good, solid game and he held the ball well. He he allowed other players to come into the game. He allowed Wilson to to use his movement a bit more rather than being um rather than being the target man and being the one that had to hold the ball up all the time, which which puts pressure on their defence and makes things a bit easier for us at the back. Um, so th- I thought there was there was an awful lot to go out there, which was which was extremely positive, and, and, and obviously it comes with significant caveats of what happens next. But you know, I, I, I'm, I'm as critical as anyone of Steve Bruce at the minute, and I, I think it's only right that we're we're positive when things are positive. I, I like how Joe Linton um, and sorry, I'm going to come to you, but I like how 
he's almost been played as this like target man, but on the left wing, so he only has to battle <laughs> with the fullback. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, go on. we'll talk maybe more about him later. Go on, sorry. Yeah, I think um, uh, in our WhatsApp group, Norman said it said it best, is that um, turd is slightly better than shit, and that's what we got from Joe Linton. I, I think, I, yes, I agree with you, Mickey. I thought the, the lineup and the approach to the game was pretty much bang on, apart from Joe Linton, and I don't think Joe Linton's performance justified his selection. I would have still much rather seen Almiron maybe a bit more inside, but or someone someone else <laughs> fulfilling fill, fill that wide role. Uh, nonetheless, yes, I agree. Personnel-wise, we got it right. He had the right players to play a pressing game, which we seem to play for most of that match. Um, so I'll, I'll give him that credit. Um, however, I just I'm not um, I'm not as optimistic about it uh, in isolation. Um, I think building on the Man City performance, uh, which was again turd better than shit, is probably the best way to describe that as well. Um, we there was a bit there was a much more of a work rate, you know, compared to the previous three games where we just seemed to down tools. So. I can accept that in these two games, we have worked much, much harder, um, which suggests that Bruce has managed to get something out of his players in terms of a, a reaction to to the criticism and the and the um, and the just the, the kind of shoddy performances we've put in just before Christmas. But uh, I still think we were lucky to get a point here. And yes, we were playing the champions, and yes, they you know they can score for fun most weeks. So we've done well to keep a clean sheet. But I don't know something. I, I think we we are prone to um, romanticize a, a performance like that because of how shit we've been for so long. Um, and I would probably give us a seven out of ten for the overall performance. And I just don't want to get too carried away. But I don't want to spend this podcast being negative because we don't get many opportunities to talk about a good performance and a good result. So um, I'll agree with most of what you said, Mickey. But you just disagreed with everything I said. <laughs> no, no, I thought I thought um, most of the players were well. Defense was excellent. Dolo was excellent. Um, Callum Wilson was sensational. Like um, I've watched back the extended highlights this morning. Basically, all the first half, all of our chances are pretty much created by himself for himself. There's there's not much else to go on in attack and sense. I mean, that's what I'm worried about. Is uh, yes, defensively we were excellent. Goalkeeper was excellent. Three centre halves were excellent. I thought both wing backs did a good job. Um, Yedlin's not a brilliant defender, but at least he's got the pace to get back and. And 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 adds the balance on both sides. And I thought Richie did all right. Um, but I thought going forward, our only outlet, uh, as it has been f- for most of the season, was was Callum Wilson, and he was basically having to create chances and finish them himself. And uh, you know, he's quite unlucky not to not to nick something. But otherwise, yeah, I thought you know across the board, most of the players played well in a in a system that worked. Wilson's just smart, isn't he? You could see. Um... He, he's obviously looked at the lineup, saw that young centre half was playing, and just thought, "I'm going to play against him," and just yeah. did it, and 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 had him had his pants down over and over again, especially in the first half where he probably probably should have squared it, but I don't want to be too harsh about that. Um, he, you know, that that's a sign of a clever a clever footballer. He's he's on his own. You know, I, I don't think maybe this is harsh, but I don't think that Steve and the Steves have 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 looked at that and, and said to Callum Wilson, "You go and play, just play against him and do nothing else." Um. I reckon Wilson's decided that himself. That's me speculating, though. I think it, to blend a positive with a negative for for a second, I think it showed when we need to have a backs against the wall performance against a good side, we can do it. Five at the back is obviously controversial, and I'm not necessarily advocating that. But there do remain questions about when we need to be more offensive against sides which you know are closer to our level in the grand scheme of things. So five at the back worked broadly yesterday. But whether we can kind of translate that kind of 
go-getting type of performance to a game where we play four at the back, for example, and play more expansively and have more opportunity going forward. Although I think we did have a couple of good opportunities yesterday, I think do remain to be seen. So, yeah, mixed bag for me, generally positive. Yeah, and I think I think Chris, you've probably summed up what a lot of people are thinking there. Um, I don't think there are there's anyone really going overboard uh, about this. Uh, but as Simon Mickey have said, you have to take the positives when they come your way, particularly supporting Newcastle United under its current owner and, and current manager. Um, Chris, you wanted to talk about Carl Darlow, and I think he deserves to be talked about because. I'll put it to you, Chris. Um, when Dubravka was injured, I think you were probably one of the more concerned fans about the impact that would have on the side. But it would be fair to say he has surprised you somewhat. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think he's been a real asset. I think he's really ably stepped into Dubravka's shoes or, or gloves more aptly. Um, yeah, I think he's been a player that obviously has been around the side for quite a while. When was the last time that he had a decent run in the side? Probably in the championship. And I remember going to Norwich and him slicing the ball uh, and conceding uh, there that night. And I think that, for me, summed up until very recently how I kind of felt about Carl Darlow. Kind of one for the bench, but isn't definitely not going to trouble a goalkeeper like Dubravka. But I think we've definitely seen over the last three or four months that he, he is a decent keeper and has definitely improved. Um, that he's still probably not quite at Dubravka's level, arguably. Um, his distribution decision-making still sometimes a little bit shaky, but I thought yesterday, obviously, he was fantastic. And generally, since the start of the season, he's been really good. I think there it does, again, the question that's ongoing is about his England chances. And I know it's something that we've discussed a couple of months ago, um, earlier on in his tenure as the kind of makeshift number one um, while Dubravka was out. And I think people were of the opinion on the podcast that, you know, we kind of wait and see, but probably not at this point. I, honestly, I think we probably do need to reassess that. Um, and that's maybe reflective of the lack of decent options that England have as alternatives. And Pickford obviously being public enemy number one there but um yeah i think he probably does deserve a place in that england squad not necessarily starting but he's clearly had the most to do in all the league so far and i think generally he's he's coped pretty admirably yeah fair comments i think if he's going to get in the england squad he's going to have to retain the newcastle united jersey and that's probably the big question at the minute there are a lot of fans now martin Dubravka is back um, who's, you know, again, it's a bit of a split in the fan base. A lot of people say stick with Carl Darlow. Uh, if he's going to get in the English squad, he's going to have to be playing club football. Um, but Martin Dubravka has such, you know, has such good credit with Newcastle United fans. It is going to be hard to see him in theory sitting on the bench the rest of the season, Chris. Yeah, I think so. But I think for now, you probably do have to persevere with Darlow. He's not really done a lot wrong to, to deserve dropping. And obviously, he's off the back of a really good performance. I think you probably only say the game against Leeds where we conceded five. But I'd argue that a lot of that definitely wasn't of his making. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think you can uh, drop him. I think we probably will see Dubravka back in for the cup game against Arsenal in a couple of weeks. And I think that will be... Uh, a really positive moment. Obviously, we're all big Martin Dubravka fans uh, and it will be good to see him back on the pitch for us. I think the longer-term question is when we've seen, obviously, Darlow, sorry, Dubravka is, you know, a very good keeper. 
Dala has definitely improved his level. I think in the kind of medium term, the reality is with two good keepers and Dalo is probably knowing his worth and knowing that he can contribute to a, dare I say it, mid-table Premier League side, that you know, medium term, there it does probably remain that there is the risk that we are probably going to lose one of them, which I think would be a shame given how good Debravka is and how improved Dalo has been. But yeah, I don't think you can drop Dalo at this point. Yeah, I t- totally agree, Chris. I think um, he- if he's got sights and ambitions on getting in the England squad, he's going to need to be somebody's number one goalkeeper, isn't he? He can't, he can't just be a number two at Newcastle and come into the team and, and make loads of saves uh, because we love conceding shots. Uh, it- it's not going to be enough. And uh, we know that Southgate rarely comes up this this end of the country to watch to watch players generally. So he probably does need to find a move. And um, you know, out of the two, I'm always going to say Dubravka, but I'm not going to disagree that um, both have earned us so many points in the last 12 months and um, I'm torn over at what point you put Dubravka back in the team because I do think he's a better goalkeeper but I can understand the argument that it, was, it would be so unfair to take that that shirt off him until until such a time it seems I don't know I don't know what the right time is because it would be harsh to do it if he has one bad game as well based on what, what he's given us but it'll happen eventually and at which point Darla will start thinking right I need I need to be somebody's number one goalkeeper and it's it's a tough one it's, it's a nice problem to have having two really excellent goalkeepers who are both perfectly good, um, you know, re- reasonable to, to be starting in a Premier League team. It's flash, you flash back to Given and Harbour, don't you, and think about how how fortunate we were then to have have two, like, real quality goalies and one of which who was happy to, to stay on the bench. And I think we've been really lucky over the years to have Darlow um, as a as a backup that's been happy to kind of see out his, the, the best part of his career as, a at best, the second fiddle. Just put yourself in the minds of the, the people that run Newcastle United at the minute, though, and the way they've seen Darlow play. There's there's no way that they haven't thought we sell we sell Dubravka in this window. We've got 15 million quid that we didn't expect to have because they didn't think Darlow was going to be as good as he has. I, I guarantee you that's the conversation that's happening at, I'm, I'm using quotation marks with my fingers here, boardroom level, because we don't have a boardroom or a board. But that's that'll be the conversation that I have in uh, yeah, whatever it's called at Sports Direct HQ. I think uh, good, that's good. Good. Oh, I'm sorry. One, one last yeah. point on the keepers. Um, the uh, the I, I've been lamenting the fact that none of our players have uh, increased in value uh, in the last in the last eighteen months. You know, we talk about players like Lascelles and Cher being worth thirty, forty million at one point uh, with Benitez, and then no one's no one's worth a penny at the moment. But the one thing he has done is increase several folds the value of both of our goalkeepers. Well done, Steve. Three cheers yeah, Steve. That's the thing. The, the, the good news is that Cardolo, whatever happens, is coming out of this looking very good because he's he's only 30 and he's sat on the bench on Newcastle's bench for best part of four seasons now, three and a half seasons. No one's really come in from apart from a couple of championship clubs and that, that, that never went through because I assume they did want to pay a fee for him. Um so you'd think that his career prospects international or otherwise are looking a lot better after this spell. You know, finally on, on on the goalkeepers, the one thing I would say in, in terms of England is England don't tend to pick very busy goalkeepers because it's a lot easier to look a lot better when you've got nine, ten save chances to make saves a game, and it's that kind of concentration, isn't it, at the top level of goalkeepers who need to make one or two saves a game and do very little, um, which kind of separates the the good goalkeepers than the bad. But we will get back into last night's game in particular. One of the things I want to talk about is his team selection and formation. And this is, I think, I think a night like last night, 
positives were played higher up the pitch. Positives, we actually pressed the opposition in possession. We put tackles in. We looked like we thought we were in a game. I look at the performances, um, you know, last season, and you know, there was lots last season. You look at performances at Everton away, Arsenal away, Palace away, you know, pathetic, listless performances. Uh, Man City away last season. This season, Spurs away and Everton at home in particular, when it just, I've, I've never quite seen a football team roll over as easily as we had in those games and, and make life so comfortable for the opposition. Well, this was this was the polar opposite of that, and that should be applauded. We're in their faces, we're putting tackles in, we'll win the ball back, we're trying to get forward, we're committing bodies forward, and it was just kind of this all-action all effort performance that a lot of fans had really been missing. And, you know, if any pundits out there want to see why the nonsense this spout is nonsense about demanding Newcastle United fans, the fact that we got a nil nil draw at home to Liverpool, um, when, you know, Liverpool had 73% of possession or whatever it was and should have, should have really won the game, let's be honest. But the fact that that still seems a positive suggests to me that Newcastle fans don't actually demand anything. It's just a little bit of effort and a little bit of, a little bit of a plan. It was nice to see there was a plan. However, however, and Sai, I think this might be one of your sections to get into. Um, however, I will say that it does raise quite a lot of questions. So, for example, Matty Longstaff, I thought was excellent. I thought his energy was good, but not just his energy, his ability to get a foot in, his ability to be in the right place at the right time, and, and probably most importantly of all for me in terms of how we play, his ability to move the ball quickly um, and, and, and move the ball under pressure. Pressure I thought was really, really positive. I thought DeAndre Edlin, not just um, not just last night, since he's come back into the team, has been head and shoulders above um, certainly Emil Kraft and Jacob Murphy at right back, who Bruce has massively favoured over Edlin. Um, I thought he was I thought he was superb. Um well, questions for me, sign and, and would you agree with these? What do you think the answers are? Is where the hell have these guys been in the last 12 months? Because Yedlin and Longstaff in particular, just have been, you know, left out on match day squads. There'd be no any other first team. So, so, so do you think this is this is more luck than anything from Bruce stumbling on? You know, we'll have a horror show after horror show over the past couple of weeks, and it's like you know, throw a load of players and a couple of stock. Or do you think this is good management? Uh, um, well, you know my opinion. <laughs> it's 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 got to be a little bit um, of the. I don't feel like he knows what he's doing. I think he's been rotating players for 18 months. I think he still doesn't know what his best 11 is. And I think it's what you've just said. Um, he's kind of been forced into a corner due to a lack of alternatives against Man City of Hoy and Matty Longstaff in there out of nowhere. Um, and I cannot explain where, where he's been. And I know there's been some fitness issues. And I know that uh, back end of last season, it was about his contract. So the, that has hindered his progress perhaps uh, slightly and maybe he's only just back up to the kind of level he needs to be to play in Premier League games. But um, it feels like uh, he's just hoyed him in uh, and hoped for the best and it's it's come off again uh, as it did the last time he did it with him. Uh, you know what? Um, if there's ever a time to... I mean, I thought when I saw that Mighty Longstaff was starting the Man City game, I thought it was really unfair. I thought it was so harsh to just chuck him in against, against Man City away and... He played well in terms of he, he, you know, he had a lot of energy and he was getting about the pitch. And I think you get so used to watching John Joe Shelby lumber around in his own half and not really move out of a of a twenty yard radius that watching Matty Longstaff break from box to box, you know, go from side to side of the pitch, it's just so refreshing. And uh, if there's ever a time when when what we're crying out for is a bit of energy, and 
that performance, which involved some pressing and some actual trying to win the ball back off the opposition, he was the perfect selection. So if if I hadn't already lost complete and utter faith in, in Steve Bruce, I would give him some credit for that, but it just feels like it's it's a bit lucky. Um, my only concern now, and like I said at the start of the show, I thought that the... the the, these were all the right personnel to play that pressing game. Uh, you know, you don't want to see John Joe Shelby or Andy Carroll or Joe Linton, unfortunately, um, playing in that kind of uh, uh, system. But Matty Longstaff is probably at that stage of his career now where he's thinking, I need to get out of here. Steve Bruce is not good for my development. If I want to make it as a, as a professional player in this league, I need to start, you know, looking at moves and if there was ever two big shop window games to, for him to get man city and liverpool massive audience my concern is that he's absolutely raised his game for those two for the you know probably advised by his, his his family his agent you need to you need to put in some performances here because you need to get out of this club by the end of the season so maybe there's a bit of that in there in why Matty Longstaff's just suddenly put in two two really good performances uh, out of nowhere um I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh, but that, that's that's my slightly, I'll call it negative view on on the situation. Just to talk about Matty Longstaff and, and Yedlin in particular for a second, with a view on on the transfer window, which is opening in mere hours' time, as we're recording this on New Year's Eve. Um, I think just with Matty Longstaff, I think slightly cynical there to suggest that he's he's put into performances to engineer a move. I think maybe if we were in the summer and he had a whole season not playing, possibly, but. I think from a, the club side of things, they've obviously tied him to a, well, is it a two-year contract? So I think there was talk of, of loaning him out in, in this window. I think from the club's point of view, definitely don't want to be doing that, particularly given the paucity of other options, including his brother. Um, so I'd probably kind of keep keep him in the squad and probably wouldn't loan him out, um, at least not for the first few weeks, just see where we are. And then Yedlin, I think, and this is possibly the more controversial opinion, I'm a big fan of Yedlin. Um, obviously, he hasn't necessarily had many opportunities this season, hasn't been that great for, for a little while. But I think yesterday reminded us of the options that he does give us. And he's clearly better than a number of other players in the squad. And maybe that says more about the squad than it does about him. But there's talk of him going to Turkey. Is that necessarily the best idea, given that we're realistically not going to replace him? I'm not so sure. Yeah, well, you look at Yedlin's contract is up at the end of the season, I think, so he can talk to other clubs from tomorrow <laughs> um, and sign a pre-contract agreement. Um, you know, it's, I would say it's very unlikely to get a new contract, but then Mankio got a new contract, a new four-year deal like two weeks before his contract expired last season, so anything can happen. I think, I think maybe if I bring you on in this, because if we're talking about Marty Longstaff and Isaac Hayden, who got a lot of praise last night, and I, and I do think Isaac Hayden thrives when he's given a little bit more license, when he doesn't have to do John Joe Shelby's running, when he's allowed to pressure, getting people's faces, win the ball back, um, compared to when he's kind of just sat in front of the back four, receiving the ball when he doesn't want it, shielding almost. Um, so, Mickey, for you, my question is, do you think that last night was pure and simple a return to the tactics under Rafa, Two genuine holding midfielders and then a genuine front three. So you saw Murphy and Julian actually attacking, pressing, getting closer to Wilson. Um, and if so, do you think, you know, Newcastle under Bruce have they've gone from three central centre midfielders to three centre backs to two strikers to four two three one, a four four two, then a panic mode back into five at the back, then absolute car crashes against um Chelsea and Southampton, and then back to four at the back. Do you think you know now? You've seen enough evidence, including the you know including the 
the personnel that seems to fit the system, like Chris has just and Saif has talked about. Um, do you think that this is you know now us moving forward under Steve Bruce? And if so, is that is that for the best? It's very hard to say that this is us moving forward under Steve Bruce after one performance. You know, one perform any manager can get one performance out of a team by chance or by luck. You know, there's there's so many reasons why why that performance last night could have happened. We need to see evidence of it for for a sustained period. We need to see really we need to see evidence of it for as sustained a period as we've seen it be terrible. Um, which 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 leaves Steve with a lot a, an awful lot of work. And you know, whilst I was extremely positive about the performance yesterday at the, at the beginning of the show I, I, in the wider scheme of things it, I really don't think it is that important at all and I, unless it's built on it's it's meaningless because we've been here before and you know one thing one thing we can say about Steve Bruce in his time at Newcastle United is that when he's when he's absolutely desperately needed a result when it when it desperately needed it he's tended to get one um and that's that's happened at you know three, four, five, six times over the past year and a half when things have been going really badly. But I can't remember, and, and you know, prove me wrong, Alex, you're better at this, uh, at, at memorizing everything about Newcastle United than I am. But I can't remember ever building on it when that's happened before. And I would be surprised if we do it now. So I, I suspect what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks is we'll go out the cup, we'll lose another couple of key league games and everyone will be kicking off again. Um, I, I hope I'm proved, I hope I'm proved wrong because I hope, I hope it comes good. But, you know, I, 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 I said yesterday, and I, I don't even want to admit this because it's hanging. But there is there is now a small part of me that thinks we're better off if we lose because the long term outcome of of this team under under Bruce is is frankly a disaster waiting to happen, and I, that's a horrible place to be as a football fan. Yeah, happy New Year, everyone. Mickey's uh, <laughs> manifest over twenty twenty one there, but it's it's honest. No, no, not best to be honest. And there are fans that feel like that. And, and I don't know if it was you last night on WhatsApp, Chris. You know, we want to draw against Liverpool when we've been shit. Um, we'll beat Liverpool under Steve McLaren <laughs> um, when we're also being shit. And fact, we're good at dinners and that. Those wins under against Spurs and Liverpool in short space of time under McLaren probably kept them a job for two months too long. And we are still battling with the consequences to this day because it was a disastrous relegation in terms of the players were lost and the catching up financially that we've had to do since. Um, one of the things that, that I find interesting from the positivity about last night, uh, and, and certainly people who, who you know, because there's a range of opinions out there, people who say that, you know, he's almost found a solution and found a, a team selection. Well, our problems under this manager and as a football club are not found in the games I mentioned against Chelsea, Spurs, and now Liverpool. The problems... The problem is Fulham at home. The problem is Leeds away. The problem is West Brom at home, even. The problem is very much Brentford away, Newport County away, Blackburn at home. When other sides, when when, when you can't have 27% possession at home uh, and you can't, well, I mean, you can and we often do, but you cannot, can't, you know, you cannot let a team like Fulham, like we did, come to St. James's Park and do what they want to do. We cannot be reactive against those sides and that's what we are and that's the problem. So if, for all last night, was an improvement. It doesn't actually fix any of those problems. And is my I, I really like Mike, Mike Long stuff. I want to see him play more. And, and just to really touch him briefly again, you know, fitness and stuff like that. Fitness had nothing to do with Steve Bruce starting Fabian Sharon second midfield two games towards the end of last season ahead of Mike Longstaff. And 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 Steve Bruce was the one who said that you know his his contract situation didn't affect that decision. 
So you really have to question the manager there. We've seen performances like last night, but I don't know, and I'd love to be proven wrong on this because I'm not sure Matty Longstaff and Isaac Hayden are the midfield two that are going to unlock Fulham's 10 men or are going to be able to take the game to Brentford or Southampton. And I certainly don't think Joe Linton on the left wing is going to be able to do anything apart from look a bit more muscular and hold the ball up against fullbacks because he can't do it against centre-backs. Um, so whilst there were solutions to last night's problem, which was facing the champions at home, we also have to, to, to realise, and this was said pre-game, that you know Liverpool have only beaten one of the, the bottom five this season, and that was Sheffield United in a very close one-goal victory. We won 2-1. So it's not like... Whilst not trying to take away from the solutions the manager found, because he did find them and he found them quickly, and I don't think he could do that. It, you also have to look at the fact that Liverpool should have won the game comfortably, and and I think if we'd lost that game one or two nil, I still think this podcast would have been more positive than previous podcasts. And I still think that you know conversations amongst the Castle fans um, privately on social media would have been more positive. However, you know Liverpool should have won that game. If Liverpool had won that game three 0 last night, based on the chances they had, based on the the, the time and space that we gave them in the box. I don't think you could have argued too much. So whilst I'm pleased that it was better, there is a long way to go. And if you look at what Leicester City did to us last season across both games, and, and I know we were down to 10 men on you know against them on New Year's Day because of four injuries. Um, you know, less, when the, when the game was 11 v 11 Leicester were cruising and could have scored several goals so I think if there's one manager who really knows how to get into this Newcastle United side under Steve Bruce it seems to be Brendan Rodgers so as much as there's positivity today unless we follow that up on Sunday with another similar type performance um, it'll be pointless and, and make you to go back to your original question you know we do that a lot. We, you know, so we beat West Ham away playing four four two with Andy Carroll so we're gonna, we'll play Brighton at home and it doesn't work and it all falls apart and it it's all back to the drum board. Um, Newcastle United have won two of the last 20 league fixtures playing five at the back. That's, you know, so it, 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 it to me, it's, and I've, I've railed against this formation a lot on this podcast under this manager. Last night was the first time under this manager where I thought, actually, with these players, th- there might be a future for this formation. However, like I said before, it only really works when when you're going to be able to, to press high, to have a lot of energy, to put in that. You know, can Callum Wilson put in that performance every single week? I hope so, but uh, you know, it, that's asking a lot of of one player. Can DeAndre Yedlin, Yedlin stay fit and, and do what he did last night? Can Matty Longstaff and Isaac Hayden stay fit? Because if they don't, who comes in for them? And and you know, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of. I mean, where's Paul Dummett? Anyone who like you know, there is a lot of players who come in for one for one game who do okay and then disappear for a long time. And the fact that, as I said earlier, Steve Bruce clearly doesn't know his best team. And the fact that DeAndre Edlin and Matty Longstaff come in um, 15 games into the season or whatever, and are, on a, on a brilliant, to me, it, it suggests, like, it's almost, it happens by luck rather than design. And that, that's, that's, that's as big a concern for me moving forward as any positives last night. That, Mickey, to go back to what you said, it's like, well, we'll go and get another point against Leicester or narrow defeat and play well. And then, you know, if you go to Arsenal and you play okay, like you're still on an absolutely horrific run of form against a massive game against Sheffield United. In terms of the manager's future, I, I don't think it's healthy to be in a position that if we lose that, assuming we don't beat Leicester, if we lose that game at Sheffield United away um, in the, the middle of January, whenever it is, 
does it then put massive pressure back on the manager for his for his job? And if it does, which I think it does, you're already at the, the, the beginning of the end, if not the middle of the end, Mickey. It's interesting that you've you've said you point out there who who comes in when someone someone if someone has to miss out like one of the key players in that formation to, to make it work. The other thing about that is how how does that formation and and the way we played yesterday transition and playing a team that aren't as good as Liverpool? And I I just don't think it does under Bruce. You know what 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 change does he make there to play against a team where we're going to have more of the ball? Uh, the likelihood was was Steve Bruce was seen over and over again. He brings John Shelby into the team, but John Shelby ruins that formation. It, that that individual change is is a disaster for it. It just won't work, and we'll get beat. I don't think I don't think that formation works against anyone that's that, that that's worse than Liverpool, which is which is nobody else in the league. Um, I, 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 don't I don't know, Mickey. Know. I would say that he's quite lucky that we play Leicester at home. Um, you know, in in three days' time, I think that's a. That's a game that this could work again, but he needs the exact same personnel available. And it's a big ask for to put in such an energetic performance like that and then ask for the exact same again three days later. That the, the player's going to be tired. He's going to probably need to make changes. And like you say, what I don't have any faith in Bruce doing is making any changes that don't... Well, he'll make changes and he may have to change the formation and then he, he loses what he had <laughs> because he's he's, hit, he's got it right for once. Um and uh, he, he's he's got a big problem. Is in if he has to bring Shelby back in, he has to change the formation. If he um, if, even if he has to change Yedlin, he's not unless he can get another wing back in there, which he doesn't really have. He could play Murphy, I suppose. Um, but then I just don't think it works as well. So it's it's a big problem. And this is my big issue with last night. I mean, what we haven't talked about is that Liverpool's away form this season has been pretty poor. They've drawn at Fulham, Brighton, West Brom. Uh, they got hammered at Villa. So actually, you know. They were there to, to to take a point off, and, and I'm glad we did. But you know, it's it's not as big a result in the grand scheme of things as people are saying. But uh, my big concern is that we never ever get uh, performances like this consistently from Steve Bruce. We've rarely had a hard work and brilliant performance followed up by another hard work and brilliant performance. Um, and I would put that down to uh, a lot of things. You know, our, our fitness is all over the place. We have injuries all over the place. Um, we all know that Steve Bruce likes a day off. I mean. The way to get that kind of performance consistently is not to have loads of days off. It's not to you know have a really relaxed approach to training. It's to have the and I'm sorry to say it, Benitez approach to training where you'd have the lads in today, you'd have the lads in tomorrow, you'd have the lads in every day. Say right, I want same again. I want more of the same. Um, and I just can't see that happening. So I, I, I'm really worried that whilst Leicester represents an opportunity to build on that performance and and try and approach the game in a similar way, I'm not sure we have it in us to do it. I think a more astute manager is looking at that performance yesterday and picking out individual parts and individual players and good moves and good good transitions to play and like literally like filming it on his phone and sending them on WhatsApp last night. Whereas I think I think Bruce and the lads will have just gone home and like not done any extra work. Like a, a, a better manager, in my opinion at least, would would after that, considering how bad things have been, would have them in today and be looking back over the match with them as a group and with them as as units, like looking at the, getting the defence in a room, looking at what they did right yesterday and what they've done wrong in other games and saying like, this is what you need to be doing going forward in every single game. But I don't, I don't think that happens. I think, I think we're, I think we're effectively back to the drawing board for the next game. That's, that's honestly what I reckon. No, I, I'm, I, do, I don't think we're back to the drawing board. I do think whoever made the, the point there is a good one. I, about about fatigue and, and we, we sat here after Leicester at home and did a podcast and absolutely berated Steve Bruce for not for not rotating more in this period um and 
<laughs> and I, when I saw the Man City performance, their uh, team selection, right, I thought, well, this is a bit mental, but he's got three games in a week. He's going to have to make lots of changes. He, he made one change last night. Um, it'll be interesting to see the, the team selection because, as you've have correctly said, it, there aren't that many players that can come in apart from maybe, you know, Miguel Almiron um, for Joe Linton or Murphy. Who who are like for like or who can play because we're playing one striker and that's going to be Callum Wilson. Um, you know, like Dwight Gill and Andy Carroll just just aren't getting looking at the minute. Um, and then in central midfield, yeah, you could maybe you could you know mighty Longstaff and Hayden are probably okay to continue. You could probably bring in another Longstaff for them, maybe centre backs pick themselves. I actually think that back three work really well together. They're all fairly comfortable on the ball, and as soon as you stick a Jamal Lascelles in there. Or Paul Dummett, who aren't as gifted on the ball, might be better actual defenders. I think that you take away a little, you know, from from what it is somewhat. So I actually think if you're going to play a back three, that would be my back three centre backs. Um, you know, I don't think um, Mankio can't even get on the bench at the minute, but I, can't, I don't think Kraft is a realistic replacement for DeAndre Edlin playing like we did last night. I think Jamal Lewis could come in for Matt Ritchie. That's probably one. Hour. One, one player you could change, but it's impossible to make changes, isn't it? So if you're going to play like that, so it's, it's a real tough one for him against Leicester. And I suppose the, the 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 key thing for us is going to be, can we see another improvement? I don't think it's... I, 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 that's what I want to see as a fan. Chris, maybe I'll get your opinion on this. Is Do you think this manager is capable of... of right? He, he, he said there was an improvement against Manchester City. Lots of fans disagreed. But what? But in the manager's favour, you then saw a progression against Liverpool. So that actually, what Bruce said against Man City makes more sense because it, it was leading towards this. Do you, would you agree that actually we need to see even better again against Leicester, or do you think Bruce, in his mind, and the coaching staff are like same again, lads? Or do they think no? This is like I said, or like Mickey said, this is what you did well. This is what we need to do even better. Are, are they set up like this as a coaching team? Do you think? I think what we need is is continued improvement but i think what we all get is as you say same again you know leicester are, are a good side he'll he'll probably want to shut them out probably see five at the back again i don't think that's the right approach but i don't think over the course of steve bruce and the other steves what 18 month time in the job jobs um we've we've seen much to give the sense that we're getting much meaningful progression i think over the course of individual game to individual game, you might see a degree of improvement. So you might get a kind of minor boom, but then what you see over the kind of the longer timeline is just this ongoing cycle of little minor boom and then kind of major bust where we go through a kind of a, a phase of poor performances. And I just think it's it's this kind of really damning cycle that we're not going to get out of under Steve Bruce. I think, yes, we may well and probably will hopefully, um, achieve survival. But as we've discussed at length this week and ongoing, this club should be aspiring to and should be achieving far more than that. I just don't think that Steve Bruce is the man long-term to get meaningful um, improvement, um, un unlike uh, other managers that are available or other managers that we've had previously. So I think it's it's cyclical, um, and I don't think we're going to see any kind of long-term improvement, improvement until he... Is either forced on the job or resigns. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And 
I think that just about does it for a day then. Um, thanks, thanks to you guys for for getting up early in the morning to talk about Newcastle United, and thanks to everyone for listening. Mickey uh, will, of course, have um, a Leicester City match preview for you all uh, on our Patreon platform, which we continue to produce a lot of extra Newcastle United content. Definitely a, a big, long tactic show in the pipeline, I feel, after these fixtures. Um, but for now, thanks for listening. We will be back uh, either Sunday night or Monday after Leicester. Uh, hopefully, another positive performance and an improvement um, against a, a good team and a hard side. Thanks, lads. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.